Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. As the year comes to a close, our staff is writing about our favorite sports moments of 2019. Jason Concepcion explains the year in 10 pieces of pop culture, and we break down the last 10 years of the Marvel Universe. Also, ahead of the new Star Wars movie coming out next week, the staff's discussing Baby Yoda, Rise of Skywalker romances, and what the Resistance will do if they win. You can check this all out on TheRinger.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. What a wonderful Tuesday to wake up. Today's Tuesday. To a Brad Pitt Q&A with David Marchese. It really is. <laughs> we'll discuss that. Also, Hugh Grant on the anti-Brexit storylines. I guess it's a horrible way of putting it. Currently in Europe, in the UK. Architectural Digest check-in and uh, our wish and well for the week. But first, let's talk about the Vogue covers and specifically the Greta Gerwig profile. Yeah, so there are four Vogue covers for, I believe it's January, because magazines don't make sense. So dumb. So, and it's loosely around a theme of motherhood, though I think my understanding is that it's four women who happen to be or are about to be mothers who agree to be photographed with their children. Right. So you got Stella McCartney. Okay. And her four children on the cover. Who's the father of her children? His name is Alistair, and I can't remember his last name because I didn't click the link. I think that he is... If I had to guess, I would say he's a gallerist, but it really, it could be anything. A cool guy. Okay. They've been married for a long time. I've looked at pictures of their home in the country. It seems quite nice. I have hard no interest in Stella McCartney. Okay. I like her clothes. And the piece, which I did read, even though I can't remember her husband's last name, I'm just going to go with the bit, uh, is about how her company has like been a leader in sustainability and figuring, you know, Megan Markle love, love and, to tell you about that. Yeah, it's true. But honestly, I think that she, that they're doing good things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still like a multi-billion dollar enterprise that is ultimately probably wasteful and creates unhealthy images of ourselves. But nonetheless, at least she's trying. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, okay. sure. I like fashion. I, they should try. The next cover is Ashley Graham, who is expecting. Right. That's great. She looks very beautiful. It's a it's a lovely. She's wearing like a gold dress, but is doing the Demi Moore pose. Right. You know what's uh, really popular? Ashley Graham's podcast, which you can also watch on YouTube. I have watched clips of her and Kim Kardashian yeah. on YouTube. It gets like hundreds of thousands of views. Mm-hmm. Ashley Graham's really famous. Mm-hmm. I kind of can't comprehend her fame because it doesn't really make its way into my sphere very often. But she's like mega famous. I think that's okay. Yeah. The nice thing is that. In this age, there are different famous people for different types of people. Yeah. No one's monster famous, but a lot of people are very famous to the people they're famous to. One thing I like about her from afar is I feel a lot of, like, body positivity and, like, plus-size models are, like, Mm -hmm. barely Mm plus-size. And I find that really irritating. Like, size 14, size 12, plus-size model. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's normal person size? Yeah. Not to say that Ashley Graham's not normal, but, like, you know, she just actually is a plus-size larger woman. Right. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And I appreciate also that she's just on the cover of Vogue without a lot of totally. fanfare about that. She's just the model. Yeah. They, n- a pregnant model. Right. They would have made a big deal about it even a couple of years ago. But I think she's on it because she's just really famous. That's what Vogue needs. Okay. The third cover, another very famous person, Cardi B. Yes. Cardi B and her daughter. Culture. Yes. They look great. Cardi talks a lot about Bernie Sanders yes. in, this, in this Vogue piece. I didn't expect Bernie Sanders to be the candidate of choice for the young female musician. 
Who else? Ariana Grande. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't see this coming. I'm going to be honest. I think that Bernie is, it's online and both Cardi and Ariana Grande are online and slightly younger. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Elizabeth Warren is the online candidate of choice for slightly more older practical people. On a different podcast, we could really get into Elizabeth Warren's campaign as sort of the trajectory of second wave feminism. Mm -hmm. But that's for a different time. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Cardi is on the Bernie train and talks about this. It's pretty charming. And she looks great. It's nice to see her. Totally. She's she's not gone away whatsoever. But the sort of like shock value of Cardi B has gone away. Again, in a nice way, similar to Ashley Graham being on the cover of Vogue. And it's just sort of like, this is our celebrity, Cardi B. And we appreciate her. Sustained excellence. Yeah. Great job. The fourth cover is Greta Gerwig and her son, Harold. Harold Ralph Gerwig Bombach. And this is a debut for Harold. Indeed. And it's also, I believe, Greta Gerwig's first Vogue cover. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't get that many female directors on the cover of anything because you don't get that many female directors. So that's exciting. And it is also, the piece is a window into the the combined Greta Gerwig-Noah Baumbach press tour, which is really interesting to me. Greta Gerwig obviously directed Little Women, which will be out at Christmas, and Noah Baumbach. You've seen it, right? I have seen it. Two thumbs up? Two thumbs up. Couldn't recommend it more. I am also currently rereading Little Women. Mm. I didn't realize how many times I read Little Women as a child until I got it back out. And I was like, oh, I remember this scene. And oh, I remember this scene. I love it. It's really delightful. I only read it one time. I don't particularly love Louisa May Alcott, but I don't dislike her. I mean, I'm just like, she's she's lovely. It's been a nice, cozy throwback for me, I think, because I did read it so many times as a kid. I found it really rewarding. And also, I think, having seen the Gerwig adaptation and what Greta Gerwig sees in it— is fascinating and not something I would have picked up on at like eight years old, but be rereading it now with kind of the Gerwig translation. I really recommend it. It's also just kind of, it starts at Christmas. The first line of the whole thing is about Christmas. So it's like a a timely reread. I'm happy that you vouch for the film and I won't hold you to it if I don't like it. But I think if I had just read in this Vogue profile, uh, which I, I won't talk about a lot, but mm-hmm. if I had read without knowing that you liked the movie that she, like, created her own ending, mm-hmm. I would have been very concerned. I She sort of did. She did create a little bit her ending, but I don't want to spoil it. Anyway, okay. what's interesting about it is that Greta Gerwig has Little Women in, going right now and Noah Baumbach has Marriage Story, which is now available on Netflix. Those are both Oscar contenders. And Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig are obviously in a relationship together. And Noah Baumbach is pretty present in this piece. Very. And their child is on the cover of Vogue with her. It's a a very interesting PR moment, I think. I would say Frances Ha is probably the most influential movie I've seen, like, on on me. Not, like, for everyone, but on me. Like, I've only I've seen it one and a half times. The second time I couldn't get through it because I found it like too emotional. Really? Yeah. And I love Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig as a result. I I don't ever want to meet them. It's the kind of celebrity where like I love them so much I, because I love their work so much that mm-hmm. I don't I don't particularly want to have any like realism attached to this. <laughs> and I was so moved by this profile, but bring so much of my own emotion to it. But I just found it like so beautiful and sweet. And Noah Baumbach, if you love his movies, like 
you just know that everything is bittersweet for him and there's so little straightforward winning and there's so little straightforward happiness and there's so much like sadness and so many asterisks to everything he does. And so for him to be appearing as like the supporting actor in his wife's profile at the end, talking about like how he just wants to use the word great over and over again, I found so moving and talking about it, I feel like emotional. But I also, just, I'm so attached to their work and like the ways that I think about them is just based on how much I love their movies inside my head by myself mm-hmm. that I, I found this like incredibly emotional and overwhelming and just really sweet. I found it really sweet as well and also didn't totally trust it, which I don't know what that says about me. I should add, I, Francis High is equally important to me. It's, I, we did a top 10 movies of the decade and I think, I can't remember where I had it, but it was definitely on the list. And I am I am of an age, uh, I'm the exact same age as Greta Gerwig, I think. She's maybe like six months older than me and lived in New York and was, I just started dating my husband when this movie came out. And it's like- Francis a, ha. Yes, when Francis Ha came out. And it's such like a specific being young and kind sure. of stupid, but figuring things out in New York movie when I was like very young and stupid, but like maybe sort of figuring things out, not totally. And I also have, I love Noah Baumbach movies and Francis Ha is- like the real fulcrum in his in sure. his career because before that he is extremely bitter and you can just tell that he finds this person yeah from Greenberg to Francis Ha is like an incredible yeah. transformation and all of the movies going forward even Marriage Story which is a movie about divorce has a sweetness, sweetness and a warmth yeah. to it because there is this person in his life who has kind of changed the way that he sees the world and you can tell that in his movies and you can tell that in this profile, which is very sweet. But there's something about when when Noah Baumbach is talking about, like, I'm I'm making the baby food. Mm-hmm. Hold on, please. F- for his phoner. Like, this isn't real. This is this is a performance. And sure. it's very nice. And I think they talk about their writing process where they will, when they work on something together, they'll split up the acts of the script and each take different acts and then they trade at the end of the day. And they, like, get to hear each other laugh. That's lovely. That's kind of the ideal relationship, in my opinion. And I think that's probably true. Sure. I think it's better for him to perform being a dad than to not perform it at all. No, that's a great point. It's a great point. And especially in the context of her being on the cover as like a mother. I feel like it's just the kind of thing that you probably wouldn't have gotten from him yes. previously. Yeah. And I also felt, I, I hate when people tweet, I feel seen, but I felt very seen by this profile. The kind of all of the uh, signifiers in it from like Sally Rooney to ordering steak frites mm-hmm. and just sort of like all of the things of being, uh, as she says in the article, Chloe Mai, as I say her last name, Chloe Mai. Molly, M-A-L-E. I don't know. I've never known how to say it, but she's a really good book writer. Mm-hmm. All of the signifiers of being, as she said, a first wave millennial, I think really like hit close to home and was like befitting of Greta Gerwig and Nancy, and no, Nancy Noah Baumbach. And I don't know. I just like really like found it delightful. I don't know why I'm being cynical about it because I, I also thought it was delightful and I love these two people and their work independently means a ton to me and yeah. they seem delightful and it seems like they would be very fun I don't know. Would they be fun to have dinner with? As you know, now no, I I don't care. I yeah, ho- I hope to never experience that, it. Well, that's kind of how I am as well. I'm like I don't. I feel like you in general are more interested in interacting with the real life celebrities. Yeah. You're not as shy as I am. Yeah, if I don't respect them that much. Okay. If I like really respect them, I don't want anything to like hurt my love for their work. Right. So. Oh, interesting. Yes. I don't want to meet them because. 
I guess I don't view celebrities as real people. Wow, I sound like such a psychopath right now, but whatever, (laughs) let's talk about it. This is our podcast. But there's something about, I guess all celebrity is a performance and it's a commodity to an extent. And I'm really interested in the ways that people can use that power or that station, not just for their own benefit, but honestly how it shapes culture. Like it is, it is part of how our world is formed. So I'm interested in that, but I, I really don't need them to then just be a normal person, yeah. you know, with like lame tastes or bad. I also, I think they'll be both disappointing. And also if I have to assign like an actual personality to this, then it changes my overarching world theory of celebrity. Sure. So I just can't be involved with sure, it. Sure. You got to keep your theories intact. I, I think also for me, perhaps this is why I'm not married, but the things that I really love, I don't particularly want to share. I'm just sort of like, this is mine. And I'm I'm good. Like I happily watched, I've happily watched almost every Noah Baumbach movie alone. And I'm just sort of like I'm good. I don't even need to know the person who made it, you know. And I'm just sort of like, cool. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a single person thing. I would have said that I'm the same way, but it's an only child thing. Yeah, interesting. It's just ownership. It's sure. just kind of I don't need any person to be a part of this, including the person who made it or the person who's famous, right? Yeah, it's just, it's funny, like, the things that you love, like, you can just, there's, like, different ways to, like, love a movie and a book. And, like, right. and I mean, like, that's why I'm not interested in a book club, too. I'm like, nah, I'm good. And, like, except for on this podcast, of yeah. course. I think some of it is also just other people are inevitably disappointing. So, sure. like, that's certainly true in a book club, except for this one, where you're just like, oh, no. Sure. I didn't, I liked you, and then you said this thing, and I just, no thanks. Um, the other thing that was incredibly charming and also really synergistic for Vogue was, and I presume this was organic, and they just were thrilled, was Greta Gorwick saying that she's not on Instagram, but the thing that she loves from Instagram is Cardi B's videos about being a mom and, like, everything with her daughter. And I was, like, really happy for Vogue, the magazine, that that moment happened between their cover stars. And also, I was like, Greta Gerwig, welcome to 2016. Great to have you. So, I, again, I don't like being cynical, but I— I am just 100% certain that she mentioned that because she knew that Cardi was one of the other covers. I just think that's how it works. And that doesn't mean that she didn't enjoy them and didn't want to say something nice about it. I just, I think, I'm going to try to steer this to a compliment, actually. I don't know why I'm being so cynical. Thank you so much. And I did really enjoy this. And again, I recommend both of these movies and both of these people. And maybe we continue to let them make movies and be on magazine covers or whatever magazine covers are in like five years for eternity. I think that Greta Gerwig often doesn't get enough credit for being savvy and on her shit. Sure. Because she has such an ebullient personality and speaks like you and I do and gets really excited about stuff and doesn't have... It's not that she is not on it, but there is just something associative and warm about her personality that we don't equate as being like in charge of of stuff. And there is, I think it was particularly notable during Frances Ha where she is like a co-writer, but because mm-hmm. she's in the movie and is playing kind of the the Daffy figuring it out character, I think a lot of people don't give her the same credit right. for participating in that. Yeah, in the article. Yeah. She was referenced as his muse and she always wanted to correct people, rightfully so. Right. And so I think Greta Gerwig knows the game. I think Greta Gerwig sure. knows what's going on and what you have to say in a profile like this and and understands Instagram even if she's not on it and knows all of these things. And I think she probably found out that Cardi B was going to be on another cover and figured out something nice to say or figured out something that was true but also serves serves the purpose sure. of this 
of this exercise. Because at the end of the day, everybody's on the same team trying to create a good profile and a good press cycle that then gets people to go see the movie. So I just, I think that it probably was coordinated. But, but I think it was when she said it was when she, maybe she was lying, but she said it was when she was shooting Little Women that that happened. I mean, maybe. But that's also a nice way to get Little Women into a sentence, which is not a bad thing. With like, go I, see Little Women, you know? That's what she wants you to do, and that's what we're here doing. Okay. I, 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 I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm going to go okay. other way on this one. I, okay. I think that she probably, like, also is around all these young people who are on Instagram. And I could, like, also, I, like, in my head, I was like, she probably learned about it when she was on set. She said it was, like, when she was in Concord and everything. But I, I don't know. That could be true. And I don't, I, if it's not true, I think, I don't think it's a bad thing. Sure. I think they're doing a very good job performing a very, what I hope is true, but it's probably just a slice of their life. Yeah, I just of think course. this is a slice of their life. Yeah, of course. She also like doesn't really go into like the difficulty of bringing her baby with her to the editing room or right. whatever. Yeah. Sure. It's not like this is the truth and this is how they live all the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just thought like a detail like that was like specific to being on set and like what she was when she was like telling the story and like maybe she tried to like populate it so that it would make it into the article in a certain way. And I'm not saying she's not savvy, but I don't I just I don't think that was like for Vogue. Okay. I don't think it matters ultimately. Sure. Because we just spent 15 minutes talking about her and we're encouraging everybody to go see her movie. So sure. You know, and then and I think we're positive about her, right? Yeah, I mean, I started by saying I was incredibly emotional reading a Vogue yeah. profile. There's no, no, there's no caveat to my positivity. I was going to say, when was the last time that you got really emotional reading a Vogue profile? It's good for Vogue, um, too. Last time was when Lena Dunham wrote about rediscovering being alone and how much that meant to her. Oh, that's right. That was, like, about a year and a half ago. And I yeah. thought that's, like, one of my favorite essays that, like, just ever. I, okay. I actually like, like a good glossy magazine personal essay. Like my other favorite like essay of recent memory is um, Michael Shabana taking his son to Fashion Week which was in GQ. That was a good one. That was that, that like made me cry too. I'm, I like the celeb- I like the well-written celebrity personal essay in glossy magazine. Sure. Because you know it gets edited and it's, yeah. it, they're always a little bit escapist while also having some relatable emotional truth. Totally. And uh, yeah just I, that was a beautiful Lena Dunham essay. Re- I recommend Googling it. Just like Lena Dunham Alone, Vogue, you'll find it. It's like a diary entry. It's lovely. Okay, next, let's talk about Brad Pitt. Great. Interviewed for the New York Times Magazine on the 10 great performances of the year. And it's pretty great. I I actually needed you to clarify something for me. Yes, please. He discusses how uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Cliff Booth is on acid for... Did you also think that perhaps Brad Pitt was on acid for that scene, the way that he was discussing it? Because I did. And I was like, maybe I'm just I'm just misreading this. I can't tell. No, I didn't think so. I I I think that Brad Pitt, number one, has made a point of talking about uh, his sobriety in recent years. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And You're number right. <laughs> number two, he talks about how the idea that the character is on acid just allows him to do other stuff as right. a person performing. So I didn't take that away from it. I did take away from this piece that Brad Pitt has done acid many times in his life. Because oh, definitely. he says, oh, sure, when asked if he's done acid. The 90s sounded like quite the time with Brad Pitt. He just talks about how much pot he was doing, listening to the wrong people, taking the wrong advice. I just feel we have we have two great months ahead of us of these celebrities we love doing pre-Oscars press. Well, my only concern is that they won't do that much. Because they're doing so much of it now? Yes, and because also when you're Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio 
you don't have to say yes to everything. Right. So there's been, in this Oscar race, there's been a real question of who will campaign enough to actually get the award because it's a very, very crowded best actor category. Best actress is like, is a mess. And we're just going to have to hear Charlize Theron talking about how important Megyn Kelly is for like three months. So there's that. Sheesh. Um, I was more impressed that the the New York Times got Jennifer Lopez for this than anything else. Really? Yes. She's everywhere. But I thought the photo shoot was so unlike the usual J-Lo photos that I was impressed by that. And I just thought that that seemed the most out of character in some, and like out of publicity character. Yeah, I think, you know, this is a part of a package that the New York Times Magazine does every year called like the 10 performances of the year. And there's a uniformity to the photographs that I think she maybe just wanted to be on a list with Brad Pitt and Leo and Lupita and all the people who are also shortlisted for Oscar nominations and agreed to go along with it. That was my read. I mean, Jennifer Lopez has has done everything. She interviewed—she did an interview with Robert Pattinson for Variety's Actors on Actors. That stuff's amazing. I need to watch that. Was that good? Uh, Jennifer Lopez uh, spends like four minutes explaining the Super Bowl to Robert Pattinson, who is not American and like definitely doesn't care about football. It's tremendous. She's, she's performing, right? Yes, and she's talking. She ex- she spends a lot of time explaining the significance of uh, Jennifer Lopez performing the halftime show at the Super Bowl to Robert Pattinson. But also keep in mind, she is going to. She'll be promoting that. Right. She'll actually be at the halftime. She'll be at the Golden Globes because she was nominated. Thank you're, goodness. You're gonna have a ton of J Lo. I love the photos of her. It was so, yeah. it was, she's just really beautiful. Also, did you watch A-Rod's video of her like being excited, like from the side? She posted her own selfie video about, mm-hmm. and then A-Rod posted one. It was yeah. so funny. <laughs> anyway, back to Brad Pitt. Um, he's just really, he was pretty candid. I mean, obviously Dave Marquez, he's just like great at this. Yes. And has really made his name on this kind of interviews. And also there's like the, the editing was so smart, like including the full long question from Dave Marquez mm-hmm. about, um, like there's just a question about once upon a time that he just answers no to and that's it and that's how they edited it and like that's just like so smart mm-hmm. and both shareable and also like speaks to a, a, a smart and compassionate editor as well I, it just was a delightful interview just I'm loving this Brad Pitt life yeah it's great I think he'll definitely be nominated for an Oscar so maybe he'll do a couple more things you have at least until February before Brad Pitt like goes back to his sculpting and his improv classes how did you feel about him um, referencing Troy as the movie when he decided to stop making shitty movies? I think that adds up chronologically. Yeah. Do, do you, are you like a huge Troy fan? No. I didn't know that. No, I just think that's the level of specificity you don't often get. Yeah, that's true. He tries to, I think as like Zach said, when he was on Jam Session, Brad Pitt tries to not give you pull quotes yeah. or try to get specifics or anything that you can take out of context. There's a reason that they have to print like a, a very long question and then just his no because that's it <laughs> but he's very good at it I really enjoyed it it was a great way to wake up this morning only thing is perhaps give us a picture of Brad Pitt in focus because he's so hot yeah I would agree with that but nonetheless be- just me beautiful and artsy okay moving on to one of Amanda's hottest topics Hugh Grant and um, his involvement in the Brexit situation there are uh, prime minister elections on the 12th which is Thursday in the UK so it's a it's a highly charged time in ye old Britain and Hugh Grant's very involved he really is so I think I've mentioned this before on jam session but backstory for those for those of you who like didn't really care 
I really recommend Hugh Grant as a Twitter follow. I've been following him for about a year now. And he has been like a pretty involved anti-Brexit tweeter. Yes. He is kind of, it's like a, I don't know if they have MSNBC moms in the UK, but he is an MSNBC mom, but for Brexit. He's British Alyssa Milano. Yeah. And... But with like a little bit of humor. And so he'll mostly tweet about Brexit. Then every once in a while, he'll be like, do you know where I can find the tennis on television or the cinema is too loud? That's it. It's it's a hilarious Twitter experience. But since the general election has been announced, Hugh Grant has decided to get pretty involved in UK politics. And he has adopted like a special strategy called Vote Tactically, where he's encouraging everyone to vote constituency by constituency. I was going to say district, but I think it's called constituency in the UK to— I think it's council. Council by council for the best chances of defeating Boris Trump. And not only is he, like, tweeting a lot about this, he's, like, on the road. And he just kind of went from— from place to place around the UK and was and was appearing at events and boosting certain candidates and also just like vlogging a lot. And it's just been amazing. Like Hugh Grant in the span of two weeks just became a political vlogger. And I have to tell you, it's not something I saw coming. <laughs> I know. He went from being in like Hollywood dirtbag. He also recently tweeted out his own mug shot from when he was arrested. Yeah, to the trolls. Yeah. And he's just sort of like owning it and going for it. I, I do think there's like a level of, of personal, like taking it personal with Brexit that is different than U.S. politics in, in, a, in a way. And I feel like that's like coming through with him. And it really is something. And then Boris Johnson had a campaign video where he reenacts the sign guy scene from Love Actually. And Hugh Grant on BBC News was like, this is what I didn't like about it. And it's just like, as you said, and is correcting looking, it. looking grass. Yeah, and it's like literally referencing the one sign that Boris Johnson didn't use in Love Actually, which I just, not to toot my own horn, but I thought a lot about my Love Actually bit about how it caused Brexit Yeah, as soon as Boris Johnson released that video. But then that now Hugh Grant is also involved. And his vlogging style, he does this in an interview that is like, it's like a very serious dad. Yeah a serious British dad vlog, which is very, it's strange, but kind of endearing. I, it's fascinating. I have no idea whether it's going to work. We are not British and are not voting. So I will abstain from trying to explain politics. I'm not totally versed in say that I will say I understand a lot more than I did after following (laughs) Hugh Grant. So it's effective. It's a public service. Okay. I'm learning some stuff. I know what all the words mean. I have a general, general idea of what's going to happen on Thursday. That's using a platform, I guess. Yeah. He's he's crushing anyway, it. Anyway, it's really, I, I think that the general election will be a, a quite a day to follow Hugh Grant on, on Twitter, if just, you aren't already. In just one day's time. Yeah. Next, Architectural Digest theory lives on. Liv Tyler, she had a house in Architectural Digest. We talked about that tour, the West Village brownstone, at great length. Because it was a video. She was, like, going through her things in the attic. I don't remember it. Okay. It's a pretty nice brownstone. Okay. But then, like, a month or two later, it sold for $17.5 million. And she also crucially relocated to London, which I'm sure she had to have seen coming when she did the Architectural Digest tour. I think she had already relocated. Like, even in the tour, she's talking about how this was a house from her youth and, you know, we do this, that, and the other. But she's like, we don't spend as much time here anymore. I just wanted to bring this up because 
we've all danced a lot around the theory of celebrities invite Architectural Digest into their home a few months before they want to sell it in, a, in order to up the resale value. And I just, I think we have enough evidence at this point to conclusively state that that is the case. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were just looking today at Maura Tierney's house, which is also a West Village brownstone townhouse. Look for that to be on the, on the market one to two months, as you said, Amanda. Yeah. And also they have a couple photographs from Jason Statham's Malibu home on Architectural Digest right now. And at the end, they have the listing agents. It's like already on the market. I, You know, I guess... I just want to say Ruth Graham first wrote that theory for Slate about two years ago. Right. I, do you feel angry about this? Like, I don't know. It's not like I think Architectural Digest is some, like, you know... I think it was Preser- more egregious. Preservation of journalism. I think it was more egregious uh, with Jennifer Aniston and, and Justin Theroux. Like, that was a pretty ridiculous example because it made it seem like this is our home together mm-hmm. and we and we love it here. And it was sort of, it was like a peek into their lives. It wasn't just like, here's the house that right. the person lived in it. It was positioned slightly differently. So, I mean, like, am I, am I mad? No. Do I feel like they've, like, broken their, their journalistic integrity? No. Yeah. But um, I'm not mad at a high-end real estate listing. Yeah, at the end of the day, I would love to see these houses. Yeah. And if, and I'm not going to be able to afford them anyway. Totally. So if someone else is going to pay an extra 20% on this extremely expensive house because it was in Architectural Digest and I got to see it, I mean, I, it's not my money. I suppose there's a, a long-term real estate effect that's not great for me, but I don't know. The real estate market is pretty complicated. Yeah, I can't really be, be worrying about it right now. You'll be fine. Yeah. Mark Ronson's house is for sale. Oh, yes, it is. Did we discuss that? Yeah. We did, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, actually, it might have sold. I can't remember, but it, I looked at the listing on Redfin the other day. It's just great. It's a great house. It really is. That well, also falls into the, the into basic the tour. In. Yeah, it's, it's what happens. It's real, people. I mean, I wonder who books that for you. The, the Architectural Digest. They, I think they have bookers like they do for any other magazine. Be especially for an interview. Celebrity stuff. Yeah. We should look into it. <laughs> Okie dokie. This week's We Wish You Well... This came to my attention via Lainey Gossip, and it goes to Miranda July, who is engaged in some kind of Instagram performance art right now, which she has roped Margaret Qualley and Jaden Smith into, where basically she and Margaret Qualley, like sometime in November, both posted these screen, like alleged screenshots of like a FaceTime conversation between them from Miranda July's phone. Like she's the little one in the corner where they're like breaking up or something. And then they like go back and forth and then... Jaden Smith jumps in the comments to be like, here's how you guys can get over this breakup with some like weird like process. I forget the name of it. It's like some kind of like uh something like related to meditation, that kind of thing. And then they just like kept it going. And then like Mark Qualley's like, actually, I don't need to do this. And then Miranda July has like another series of images that are like, Margaret, I'm writing a song for you. And it's just like this weird like performance art of like allegedly letting you into like this emotional time between two women who are going through a breakup, whether it's whatever kind of relationship it is. And I just think it's really dumb. And I am not a, I'm not a fan of this ploy. And it's just so obvious what it is. It's like several years too late. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we're in July. Good luck. I wish you well with your career. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the one Kirsten Dunst email from that email project she did like six years ago yeah. that was just Obama mom. Yeah. Which maybe is kind of what invented MSNBC mom, a term that I use all the time now. Oh, interesting. So I had never really thought about that etymology. Anyway, that was a good one email part of a project. Otherwise, Miranda, I wish you well. 
I forgot about the email project. This is like really an extension of that. I mm-hmm. guess she's just interested in like digital correspondence and what it reveals about people. Sure, but it was way more interesting in 2013 than it is now. She's also like Jaden Smith, like his price, like raise your price. Like it just seems like he's really <laughs> available. Like what's he not doing that? Like what's he saying no to? I don't know. He's young. He's he's trying things on. I guess. I don't, I wish him well too. Although I like actually do. Like I I like his parents. I feel like he'll be a cool adult. Just like the journey may be long getting there. Yeah. That's all we got for this week. Yeah, it's it's a it's everyone's getting ready for the holidays. It seems pretty, like a light celebrity week. Yeah. It's pretty it's yeah, just read Vogue. There's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. 